The planet is heating up. The oceans are becoming filled with plastic. Change starts now. Change starts now. We're on a countdown. To zero waste. Five, four, three, two, one. This is the Zero Waste Countdown Podcast. Here's your host, Laura Nash. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Zero Waste Countdown podcast and radio show. On today's episode, we're speaking with Lawrence Spielman all the way over in the UK. He works for Toast Ale, a not-for-profit turning food waste into delicious beer, one of my favorite things to drink in the world. So I'm very excited for this episode because I love beer, and we're going to find out how they do it. Uh, my title is Customer Needs Manager with a K because Toast loves their bread puns, as you can tell by the name. <laughs> We're not a very large team, so it has quite a few segments to it. I manage all of the customer service, inbound requests, orders, the entire um, customer experience from basically first point of contact to delivery of the beers, payment as well, invoices. I also manage the logistics, so I organize all of our deliveries, both um, wholesale and retail. When I say retail, I mean via website sales. And I also organize all of our inventory, so our stock movement from our brewery to our different warehouses. I also do some uh, admin and support role for our sales team and just for the general office. So quite a, quite a diverse role. That is a huge job description. You must be so busy. And and Toast Ale is very special because you guys make a certain sustainable brand of beer um, where you use bread that's been collected and you can basically turn bread into beer. So what is it about bread that makes good beer? Well, bread basically acts as a replacement for the normal carbohydrate sources that you would associate with home brewing. To give you a basic idea, the normal brewing process begins with what's called a mash tun. Now, a mash tun is when you take a large quantity of um, of barley malt. Mm. Uh, normally, it's barley malt, at least in in modern brewing, and you would run this through a vast amount of uh, of water, warm water, in fact, hot water, which would basically stew it into a, uh, a bit like a kind of porridge. And so, what that kind of does is it gets the, the, the carbohydrate to break down into kind of dissolve into sugars, which you can then run out of the mash tun and begin to ferment using yeast. And I mean, the common misconception when, or sometimes the misconception I get when people ask me, why do I use bread in beer? Or why does toast use bread in beer? Is, is because they think that it's because of the yeast in the bread. Now, the yeast in the bread is already activated. So it's of no use to us. It's just the bread as a carbohydrate source, i.e. bread will dissolve the same way as barley malt or wheat or rye or anything else that you want to, any other grain or, or anything that you uh, want to try to ferment alcohol out of. Um, grapes, obviously, in the case of wine, for example, potatoes with, with good vodka and so on. And basically, bread will, bread will break down and you can then ferment the sugars that come out of that, of, out of that bread into beer the same way you would, um, would malt. And so what we do is we, uh, in order for, to produce a consistent product, which, you know, kind of acts as a contemporary of, you know, your, your, your average beer, we take one third of the uh, malt out of a normal mash tun and replace that with surplus bread. Wow. Have you always used bread at the company or is this a new project? 
Oh, yeah. No, I mean, it comes with the name, Toast Ale. Yeah. Um, basically, so to give you a little bit of background, um, Toast was founded in 2016 by a man called Tristram Stewart. Um, I don't know if he if he's someone you're aware of, but he um, he's definitely someone who uh, is, you know, whoever who everyone who's interested in sustainability and in food waste sustainability in general should um, should look up. He's got an incredible TED talk. He's a best selling author. He is a global food waste pioneer. And he has basically dedicated his life to fighting the global food waste issue. I mean, food waste as is an issue is I'm sure you've you've had plenty of guests and someone who've, who've spoken about the issues of food waste, but it's a big um, issue, it, yeah, yeah, a massive issue. I mean, it, it um, I believe it would be the third or fourth largest carbon footprint um, if it was to be kind of equated as a country. Anyway, it's it's a it's a massive, massive issue and something that we everyone can do something about now. Tristram um, tried a bread beer in Belgium made by the Brussels Beer Project called Babylone. This was in 2015. Brewing with bread is not a is not a new practice at all. Brewing with bread is a very kind of ancient practice. Actually, it's been practiced ever since you know, sort of in the ancient Near East, since about 5,000 years ago. Oh my gosh! Um, which is why Babylone was the name of the beer. Um, oh. And he tried this beer, and he just thought, well, he knew that bread is more or less the number one culprit in terms of food waste, specifically in the UK, where we are. 44% of all bread in, that's produced in this country gets thrown away. Um, I'm not sure on the figures in America, but I can imagine it's similarly mind-boggling the amount of bread that does just get thrown away either during production or you know just thrown away after, after being sold or put on the shelves or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so he thought, well, if they can do it, then I can do it. So he thought, well... This is a great way of, you know, a really exciting, interesting way of trying to mitigate what is a massive, massive problem. And he, he was, he's no brewer himself. He's a, he's a, he's a food waste activist, but no brewer. So he then started working with brewers in order to, you know, create this amazing recipe, which involves adding surplus bread into, um, into a brew in order to produce uh, award winning beer. That's awesome. And, and where do you collect the bread from? So our supply chain involves taking bread from um, actually from industrial uh, bakeries and factories, um, so, and sandwich factories, basically, because it's a little known fact. When people think of bread waste, they think of huge skips of bread that's already been on the shelves in supermarkets and, and you know, has just lived out its shelf life and gets thrown in a bin. Now, that is a huge issue. No, no question there. But um, what a lot of people don't know about is that in the production of sandwiches, particularly say here in the UK, you know, you can go to any supermarket and there'll be there'll be shelves full of um, fresh made-to-go sandwiches that people will buy and take home. Now, those are made of sliced white and brown bread, and they're never going to have the crusts on them. I'm, I'm sure you can just sort of imagine. You look, think of a, like a supermarket store shelf. You see those kind of sandwiches and those triangular boxes. And, you know, they're never going to have crusts on them. So you have to start thinking to yourself, what happens to all of that? Now, in the production of all of that sliced bread in those industrial scale bakeries, they just throw away all of the crusts because they have no commercial value. And so what we do is we give them a use for that basically otherwise discarded bread. And so they send that to us, these large scale industrial bakeries in the UK. They send that they ship them up to our brewery in Yorkshire and we, uh, we begin brewing out of them. 
And what that does is not only, obviously, it saves the bread from going to waste, it drastically reduces the bakery's carbon footprint, mm-hmm. which is incredible. But also, it's actually cheaper for them than just throwing the bread away because of the costs tied to sending tons and tons of surplus bread into landfill. Really? So it's, yeah, yeah, it's a real win-win situation, both for us and for them. So they, they, they take all of that bread and instead of it going to the bin, it goes up to us and we brew beer out of it. It's the basic idea. I'm a little surprised that it would be cheaper for them to ship it to you, but is that because you're so close to them and the landfill is further away? No, not necessarily. It's just um, if you basically, I'm not sure this is the case in in, in America, but in Europe and um, certainly in the UK, the amount of um, basically the amount of tax involved in sending tons and tons of food waste into landfill means that it's actually cheaper for them just to give it to us. Basically, I mean, either way breadcrumbs are a much are, are quite a cheap commodity that can be resold but um at the moment they're not there so much of it just ends up going the bin and bin and this is um this is fresh bread as well inter- interestingly it actually more or less gets into our brews faster than it gets on the shelf because the other kind of misconception is that it's normally stale bread but it's mm-hmm. not it's actually extremely fresh it's fresher than you would normally buy it in a supermarket interestingly yeah Wow, that's awesome. Okay, so you you collect the bread from these factories. So sandwiches are made, the heels of the loaves are shipped to you, you make beer, and then what happens to the bread afterwards? Is it gone? Or is it like a mush, like that porridge you were talking about? Oh, it's, it's inside the beer. There's a there's the equivalent of a slice of bread in every <laughs> bottle of beer we've ever brewed. Wow, that is really cool. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I mean, the brewing process in general is a very circular one. Almost nothing gets wasted. Um, the only stuff that does that has the potential to be wasted is there is water, but uh, I mean, there there are there are ways in which you can reuse that. You can take the water from that, use it to fertilize crops and so on. You know, um, you basically it is reusable. It's not to, it's not totally wasted. The other part of it is the spent grain. Now, um, mm-hmm. spent grain is basically the husks of the malted barley after they've been put through the mash tun. But actually, those are an extremely rich source of energy and um, can be used to make fuel. In the case of our brewery, which is on a farm in Yorkshire, they, they feed it to the farmyard animals. Okay. But um, you can also you can make it into all sorts of things. For example, um, I'll, give a, I'll give a very quick plug, if I can just remember the name. Um, I think it's called Regrained. There's, a, um, there's an energy bar company in the States where you are, which uses spent grains as the source of their kind of energy bar. So they take the spent grains from brews and they make that into a kind of energy bar. It's delicious. I've tried it myself. Wow. And is there still health benefits of the spent grain? After? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it, it, yeah, it is basically just just a source of energy. It's had some of the sugar taken out of it, but mm-hmm. there's still quite a lot left. It's not, you know, it doesn't completely drain. So there is a lot of energy in there. As I said, you can make fuel out of it either for, you know, industrial fuel or just fuel for people, basically. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, so when I'm when I get beer here, sometimes I can go to a microbrewery and get what we call a growler. I'm not sure if you call it a growler there. It's like a big. Oh, yeah, we do. Yeah. OK, cool. Yeah. It's a big jug. Do you guys have those or are you just doing like the small beer bottles that traditionally we're familiar with? So I am a huge advocate of, a gra- of growlers. I really wish the growlers were a bigger thing in the UK. Um, they are starting to become more well known. Um, a lot of a lot of microbreweries here, or you know, even larger craft breweries. For example, BrewDog have started um, introducing growlers 
you can buy and then refill in their tap rooms. Lots of other craft breweries do that. We don't necessarily do it ourselves because all the beer that we're currently shipping out at the moment, there are like plans for to expand this down the line, certainly, in fact, almost imminently. But um, for the moment, in the UK at least, in the US actually, um, we're in cans, but in the UK, it's in bottles and kegs. I didn't know now, you could get your beer in the US. Oh, yeah, no, we're, um, we're, ba- we're a smaller operation, but we're based out of New York, yeah. Oh, good. Okay. And uh, yeah, so I'm a big fan of the growlers too, because you can just return them. And unfortunately, what I do see happening with some of the Canadian, I'm Canadian, by the way, I'm calling you from Canada. Uh, But what I see is that they start, the breweries start with growlers. And then as they get bigger and scale up, then they go to cans. So they kind of like... Right. I see. Okay. Yeah. Which is too bad because then, you know, I'm I'm zero waste. So I like to bring in my growlers and get them filled up if I can. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm also a huge fan of that. I mean, when we, whenever we have the opportunity to, obviously, you know, when I go to other breweries, for example, I love to use a growler if I, if, you know, if, there, if there's one on offer there. For us, I mean, it's because we are a nationally distributed beer here in the UK. So we're being sold in supermarkets nationwide, such as Waitrose and Tesco and the co-op we're being sold in London. Um, we also sell online. We do not sell internationally. And what I mean by that is that we never ship internationally because there's a huge amount of energy expenditure in that, which we don't agree with. So point of fact is we are available in other countries like the U.S., South Africa, Brazil, Iceland, very small operations. But that involves working with a local brewery. And sort of to go back to what you were saying about what microbreweries do in terms of scaling up now, everything we do is contracted. And the reason for that is because we kind of want as many breweries as possible doing what we're doing. So we're almost a proof of concept, if anything else. like. The brewery that um, we brew with is called World Top Brewery. They're an incredible brewery. They don't just brew us. Obviously, they brew their own. They, you know, they brew their own beers, which they distribute um, at least around the north of England. I believe actually they also distribute nationally. But we ourselves, we brew with them on contract basis, and that's the case with any country we expand into. And the, and as I said, the reason for that is because we we want to be able to kind of take our model and move it and kind of introduce it to as many breweries as we can. So we don't kind of tie ourselves down into having our own brewery. We focus much more on just the the idea. And that's why um, that's why we brew, though we're based in London, we're actually brew in the north of England. That's um, very so, smart. And I mean, one thing I will add in terms of reusability is that all of our kegs are reused, actually. We're part of a, um, a national keg network called Kegstar. They supply kegs to brewers empty kegs, which are then filled up, sent to customers. And once they're drained, Kegstar collect those, wash them and, well, wash them thoroughly, obviously, and then um, send them back out to the brewers again. So even though um, I'm afraid our bottles aren't 100% circular, the kegs are, thankfully. So if someone has a brewery and they were interested in becoming more sustainable and using a program like, like yours, they could call Toast Ale and ask you to kind of come in and set up the network, kind of get the liaisons between the bread makers and, and you and the kegs? Like, is, is, is that how it works? Oh, absolutely. Um, nice. Well, I mean, our recipe is open source. You can find that on our, on our website. And for any key sort of budding home brewers out there, you can actually find our recipe for brewing beer out of surplus bread on our website. It's toastale.com slash homebrew hyphen recipe. But in terms of other 
craft breweries, what we tend to do is we do a lot of collaborations. Now, our head of collaborations is a very busy man. He's also an absolute beer enthusiast. Um, and so he, you know, he quite loves his job really, because basically what he does is he gets to go to all of these incredible craft breweries in the UK and in fact abroad as well. And kind of, yes, in, he kind of introduced that arrangement with them. It's not something often it actually has become a kind of a key uh, element of the brewery afterwards. But what, what our, our stake in it is basically we form a collaboration brew, uh, between the brewery and a local bread supplier. So normally it's, it's an artisanal bakery or something similar, or possibly a food bank, which supplies a lot of, Ooh, yeah. a lot of, uh, surplus bread, yeah. um, to the brewery. The brewery brews an incredible beer out of it. And I mean, we work with some really, really incredible breweries because our normal range is very kind of straight down the line. It's lagers, pale ales, you know, just the normal stuff. But we've had incredible stouts, porters, you know, sours classes, every, every, everything that have been done by other breweries that have kind of taken our model and done their own spin on it. And all of the profits normally for those uh, collaborations uh, go to charity afterwards. Now, some breweries have actually taken that and just basically just, they've taken that recipe and just gone with it. So they've, they've kept the relationship going, which is exactly what we're, we're trying to achieve. So yeah, no, pr- pr- precisely. We, we, we do this all the time, basically. Yeah. And, and that it must be a big selling point. Like do breweries report back to you and saying, since we started making toast ale, we've seen our sales go up by X amount. Is it something that, that is being very, very successful? Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's a, Good. so what brewing with surplus bread does is it does two very important things. I mean, it does a lot more than that, but it, as far as I see it, one, two of the very important things it does is obviously it, um, it's extremely attractive for a, um, a consumer base, especially of my generation, like your generation as well, millennial generation, you know, mm-hmm. which are increasingly kind of interested in sustainability and becoming very, very conscious of their purchasing habits, their daily, you know, their daily lifestyles, trying to become much more waste conscious, caring more about their carbon footprint, all the rest of it. So our product and any, you know, any beers brewed the same way instantly become much more, um, much more attractive to a consumer base like that. The other thing it does is it it actually kind of switches a lot of people who aren't necessarily as sustainably conscious onto the idea of being sustainably conscious through just drinking exceptional beer. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's one of the reasons why, as I said, our beers are very simple lagers, pale ales, etc., because we just want to take we're not gearing ourselves toward just the craft beer enthusiasts. We want everyone who loves a good beer. And, you know, it's great beer. Like everyone who likes it, who likes a beer, even people who don't like our beers tend seem to like our beers quite a lot. So, um, and they try the beer and we say to them, how does it taste? They say, it's delicious. And I say, well, this beer is actually helping to fight food waste. And they say, oh, that's incredible. And then suddenly you get people like much more into the idea of being sustainably conscious with your purchases, with, you know, with this, that, and the other through something as, you know, as, 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 uh, enjoyable as enjoying a nice cold beer. So yeah, that, those, there's two sides of it and both of it helped certainly to drive sales. That's very great. So I, I try to focus on a lot of businesses on the podcast because I believe that businesses are the problem and they're also the solution. So it's very nice to hear, uh, that this, that this is doing well and that you're so big. You, it, it seems like you're all over the world. So that's really great. And Lawrence, uh, what do you do personally in your own life 
to decrease your waste? Are you are you very eco-conscious? I'm extremely food waste conscious. I'll tell you that much. I mean, in terms of eco, I mean, I'm a cyclist. I, I don't drive. I mean, to be honest, not many people in London drive because it's just not viable here. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's too expensive. And there are extremely like expensive carbon emissions laws that are being um, implemented even more so than already. We have congestion charges in the center of our city, but uh, even more stringent ones are coming in very, very soon to make it very, very expensive to sort of uh, have high emissions vehicles in the, in the middle of London. So I've been a cyclist for for many years ever because I, I went to university in London. And so I, I began cycling as, as a commute then, and I, I still do it now. It's a great source of exercise. It's lovely when the weather's gorgeous here like it is at the moment. But more importantly, even when it isn't like that, it's just, it is, it basically does heavily lower my carbon footprint because, you know, I'm, I'm not driving. I'm not taking the public transport or anything like that. So that's one thing. The other side is I am, yes, very, very food waste conscious. I try never to throw food away. I've got, my flatmates would, uh, a hundred percent attest to this, you know, and roll their eyes probably because I've got, <laughs> I've got things like, um, I've got a whole shelf, you know, in my, in my kitchen, just covered in jars, which I've saved, which I sort of oh, used good. to sort of used to keep, um, various bits and pieces in that I almost never throw away, you know, mm-hmm. whatever meal it is, I'll, I'll never throw like sort of half a packet of anything away. Everything ends up in a jar and my freezer is absolutely chock full of bread, uh, which <laughs> I've sort of sliced up because there's only one of, that, you know, there's only one of me that seems to eat all the bread in the house. So I just take all of our bread, slice it up, and uh, just throw it into the freezer. So yeah, there, there is a freezer um, full of bread in my house. There's always there's always food being saved here and there. And so that in that way, I try to do my bit just to you know mitigate the food waste issue and also just be as ecologically conscious as I possibly can be. Oh, good. And that's a good tip, too, if you're freezing bread to cut it up first. So that way, oh, yeah. each morning or each day, you can just take out two pieces. Because uh, if you put a whole chunk in the freezer, you can't do it. So it, Oh, and, yeah. Yeah. And storing food is is a big thing. And I feel like our generation, a lot of us have lost the ability to save food properly or to manage our food. Like you buy a big thing of a big pack of spinach and you can't eat it all. It's like, well, you can do different things. You can cook it and freeze it. You can have friends over. There's lots of different ways of of dealing with it, right? Um, and I think it's something we should all all be looking into. And uh, I think I think our listeners are going to be very happy to hear this episode because if they're like me, they like beer. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. I'm a big beer fan. My favorite is a, a blonde Hefenweissen or a, oh, nice. like a Belgian or a white. I like those the best. Do you have a favorite? I'm a, I'm a man for very extremely pungent alcoholic hoppy IPAs myself. <laughs> okay. I, 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 I like a I like a very very strong hoppy IPA, which it kind of you know smacks me a bit and just makes me really <laughs> notice you know that notice I'm drinking something strong. I'm a big fan of strong taste, very strong black coffee, very strong beer, you know all of that. So mm-hmm. that's like my very least spicy food. <laughs> I love spicy food, but my least favorite is the super hoppy beers. But they, but IPAs are the most popular ones that I see people drinking oh, yeah. all over here. So cool. Uh, well, there's a there's a big um, brewery area right where I live. It's called Prince Edward County, and there's a lot of breweries in that area. So maybe one of them will pick up the the toast ale. 
method and uh, and start doing that too because food waste is a huge problem. It's a, a big source of of landfill and methane and lots of bad things. And and you guys use the I saw a, a pyramid of food waste. It's like the the best things to do that that go up the pyramid. Um, and I think it's from the documentary Wasted with Anthony Bourdain. Do you know the pyramid I'm talking about? I certainly know the documentary Wasted because our founder also featured very prominently on it. You may, if you've seen Wasted, then you may remember a quite a, a well-spoken, foppish gentleman who was with an English accent. That is our founder, um, who was talking quite um, passionately about the issues with, um, with sort of the supermarket supply chain and the amount of food that gets wasted in that. And what's, um, the, what's pi- the founder's name again? It's uh, Tristram Stewart. Tristram Stewart. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, it's a very, very good documentary and quite shocking and, and gives oh, us yeah. hope. Yeah. One thing I, I, I'd like to add is that the profits from our business, we are a nonprofit business. Uh, I just thought I'd add oh. this in because Tristram himself kind of founded us on a no, on, you know, no profit. We are a social enterprise, a certified B corporation. But the main reason we're nonprofit is because all of our profits go into Tristram's charity, which is Feedback Global. And Feedback Global are a global food waste kind of charity that fights a kind of global, you know, legislative campaign um, in order to in order to counteract food waste. And um, one thing, if, if you're interested in infographics and food waste facts and all the rest of it, then a lot of it is available from their website, which is feedbackglobal.org. Oh, very cool. So, um, so I, yeah. check that out for more, my kind of more uh, insights into and into both like causes of and solutions to food waste. Yeah. Yeah. The pyramid I was talking about was like, there's a, you know, one of the levels is to feed it to animals. One of the levels, I think the last one might be compost. Big idea. Yeah. Yeah. Like that sort of thing. So yeah, it's mm. uh, composting is, is integral to living a zero waste life because we eat food every single day. Therefore, we're going to have some food waste and it really, really reduces garbage. I can't imagine not composting anymore. Do you guys have a, a composting, like a curbside pickup? In London, or or are you able to compost at your house? Oh yeah, yeah, we certainly do. Oh, good, I mean, I, I mean, I can at home. Yes, um, yeah. I I'm I'm fortunate enough to live enough to sort of live in a block with a communal garden that does have a compost that um that we oh, use good. just for our own garden. But also, um, my local borough in London does, and I think most boroughs in London do as well. Is basically does have a food waste um disposal service. So yeah, we get a, we get our um, biodegradable bags and we fill them up with food waste uh, very rapidly at my house because uh, just because people eat a lot of food. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, you get things like bones and so on just ending up in the bin mm-hmm. um, and, and banana skins and whatnot. We, we, fill that, we fill those up. We get them sent off by, um, by our council and um, they, they, just, they basically put them, put, them, put them into food waste disposal where they can be reused for various purposes. Good. That's very, very good to hear. Well, we do have a lot of listeners in the UK, so I, I hope that they, they try some of your beer soon, and uh, and I think that they'll be happy to hear about this. So thank you very much, Lawrence, for taking the time to speak with me today. I'm very excited about your project. I learned so much. I just thought you were a brewery, to be honest. I didn't know that it was a not-for-profit and there was a charity involved and that you were going out to breweries, which is such a, a better model, um, because then it, it reduces transportation costs, um, right? So so this is all just great. So thank you very much. Oh, you're more than welcome. I mean, I'm I'm afraid we're not yet in Canada, although fingers crossed one day we will be if we can find a brewery up there who are interested. 
Um, but for now, I mean, if you're ever in the East Coast or and soon to be the Midwest of the States or anywhere in the UK, then, you know, then toast will be there in some shape or form. So make sure you give it a try. It's delicious. Well, one thing. So if we're at a brewery, will there be like a sign or is it is it on the label? Like, how do we know where where Toast Ale is? Well, I mean, well, to- Toast itself is is a brand. So mm. um, it, it is available kind of on the shelf you can see it's got a big name on it but other, okay. other breweries that are doing what we're doing it, we t- it tends to have our logo on it if it's something we've been involved with okay, um, cool. but i mean that that's not just the case you know there are lots of breweries as i said this is not something that we invented we in fact you know babylon i said the brussels beer project gave up gave tristram the idea and obviously they were inspired by ancient practices so there are bread beers everywhere i mean just look out and know that and just have have and if you see one then you know, it's just a thought that's involved. I mean, what, you know, how, how did they get that bread? Is there a sort of circular, sustainable story behind that beer? And I mean, if you, you know, if you, you said you're a, you, you love breweries, which is great. I love breweries too. I love visiting breweries. There are hundreds and hundreds, well, thousands actually in the UK. It's incredible. But especially in London, we have, we're, we're spoiled for the number of amazing world-class breweries we have. And one thing that is always kind of nice to think about is, you know, you go in there and you can just ask them. Do, do they have any ideas around sustainability? I mean, where do they where do they source their materials from? You know, what about maybe the energy expenditure or the kind of the use of the spent grains from their beer? I mean, and you know, some some of them may already have thought about this. Some of them may not have. Some of them it may, it may already be part of their process for economic reasons. They weren't even aware it was you know more ecological or sustainable to be doing what they're doing. But it's always worth asking. So. I mean, you can, as I said, you can find us in places all over the UK, um, just our beer itself all over the UK and, you know, and, um, soon to hopefully we'll be conquering the whole of the US as well. Maybe one day Canada, fingers crossed, but other places like South Africa, Brazil, Iceland, and, um, soon to be parts of Europe as well, hopefully. But in, in general, just, just keep a lookout for bread beers. They do exist all over the world and it is a, it's, it's, it's a, it's a wonderful thing that we're doing, but, uh, we just want everyone to do what we're doing. So you know, spread the love yourself. Awesome. I look forward to trying it. That's Lawrence Spielman from the UK. He works for Toast Ale. If you like our show and want to help save the world from all this trash we're consuming, please consider donating to the Zero Waste Countdown. You can become a patron on Podbean. You can find me on Patreon. Or you can donate right on the website, zerowastecountdown.com. And if you're interested in seeing a photo of our guests, you can check us out on Instagram. That's zero underscore waste underscore countdown. And if you want to email me, it's laura at zerowastecountdown.com. Thank you for listening, everybody. Thanks to all our listeners in America, Canada, Australia, Germany, the UK, and wherever else you may be tuning in from. Together, we're going to change the world. Change starts now. This is the Zero Waste Countdown Podcast.